Thanks, mate. I, um, I got this chair up here because I get tired. It's actually not for me. In, um, oh, hi, by the way. <laughs> I'm just getting straight into it. Um, before I do get into anything, though, in, in our church in Torquay, we, we do something that um, has been very special. And it's usually for someone who has a birthday. And by chance, this young fellow here has got a birthday today. So this is called the hot seat. And what the hot seat is, is that we get the birthday person to sit in the seat and we're going to ask Father God for a prophetic word. You're going to simply ask, Father, Papa, what do you have to say about your son? And then we will be faithful in giving that word to Andrew now as a gift. It's cheaper. You don't have to pay for this. (laughs) So that's thumbs up on that one. So come on, Andrew. Right there, mate. Right there, come on. <laughs> we, we love Andrew so much, don't we? Man. So, guys, just let's close our eyes. Let's focus. Let's align our hearts to God. So, Father, in this moment, you have one of your amazing sons sitting in this chair. and It's his birthday, and we want to honor him and celebrate him and value him. So, Father, what do you have to say about your son, Andrew, right now? And, God, we will listen and we will be faithful to give this word. So, Lord, speak. We're listening. Now, all I'm going to ask of you guys is that if you have a word for Andrew, just to raise your hand and I'll come and give you the microphone. And we'll spend a few minutes just blessing, blessing him. Andrew, straight away, I got the word uh, running water. And then, but then, like straight away when Mark said, let's, Father, what's, what's the word? And he just went running water. But as we were just praying then, it kind of went to, it went to a different place. Um, he, he expanded out. He's like, you know, that dances with wolves. It, it's, it's this runs with water. Runs with water. It, was, it just made something beautiful, triply beautiful in that for you, brother. One who runs with water. See that on you, in you. Beautiful. And the wonderful thing about prophetic words is that as we are faithfully giving them, Andrew now has the responsibility to take them, bring them to the Father, and ask and see what he breathes upon. So that's good. Anyone else? Um, I felt the Lord say, you're a torchbearer. And you're going to lead the way for what he's going to do here. Wow. That's great. Who else had their hand up? Just over here. wait on that one Andrew I just got the word mighty man you're a mighty man of God and his blessings are just going to continue to pour out upon you anyone else have one here we go that um, Andrew as you know you throw out crumbs like in Mary Poppins they feed the birds you're not feeding birds but you're feeding God's children and God is saying, 
more and more and more people will come to get the word from you and to be fed, not just in the word, but in love and in comfort and in prayer, ministry. And he says, never be afraid that there's too many people because he will be with you. I mean, obviously, he's with you in the ministry. But there sometimes might be overwhelming. Don't be overwhelmed. Great, Great word. Get me, get some good exercise today. Andrew, when I was praying, I saw an image of Papa with a hammer on the sheet of gold that he was hammering. And I just sensed that he's forming you in, he's fashioning you into this golden vessel that he's going to pour out through you. And uh, so if you're feeling like you're being a little hammered, that's why. (laughs) But he's with you in that. That's great. There's a purpose to the hammering. Amen. Anyone else? Um, I got a picture of you were like a candlestick and you were lit. Um, but in, there was a whole bunch of candlesticks, but they were all burnt out. And usually when you light a candle, it usually eventually, like, you know how it starts going down? That makes sense. Yeah, it starts melting. But every time you lit a candlestick, instead of it would light up, but then it would start rising. And I just feel like those candlesticks were just nations and people and you just go and lighting them. So, yeah. Cool. Good job. Um, and I just got confirmation just from God that he loves your playful nature, yeah, and your silliness. <laughs> what silliness? What are you talking about? <laughs> Be encouraged. But that God loves that because you're just, you're real and as you lead um, that you've been faithful in leading and in hearing what God has for you, you know, for your family, for this family here, and that um, He just acknowledges the faithfulness that you've had. And just like we sing of God's faithfulness, that He's saying, No, but that, that son of mine, He's faithful. And because of your faithfulness, great things are going to unravel because you're just staying the course and you're, you know, as much as through all the frustration, through everything, that you can just stay the course and, yeah, good on you. So proud of you. And Andrew, as I was asking, asking Papa about you, um, I'm sensing him saying this, Son, thank you. I know you live a life of thankfulness to me, but I want to thank you today. Thank you for taking care of my children. Thank you for loving my children with my heart. Thank you for speaking my heart to, your, to, to my people. And I will never leave you. I can't leave you because I've made a promise. I sense the Lord saying, Andrew, my son, I created you exactly how I wanted you. I make no mistakes. I make no error. Thank you for choosing to come alongside me. And together, we are making a difference. Thank you, son. Thank you. Love you, mate. Love you. We really do love these guys. Thanks, guys, for having us again. Um, dude, on those drums, mate. How good is that? Wow. Wow. And, guys, thank you. Thank you, Mount Clear, for um, welcoming us again. It's great to be with you. And uh, I sense I have a direct word for you today. It's not a repeat message from another location. This is actually fresh, out of the oven, still steaming, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Lord, have your way. Have your way, my God. 
All right. Well, today I want to talk about you. I mean, the version of you that's been so wonderfully and intricately crafted. I want to talk about the version of you that is beautiful and spectacular. The version of you that the world and even the enemy, the devil, wants to suppress, silence and shut down. I want to talk about the version of you that when God breathed in his very breath of life, had intended to reveal his image. Have you ever seen someone, someone's child and you say, gee, you're a spit, spitting image of your dad? That's what Father wants to say over you. That's what Father wants others to say about you. Gee, you're a spitting image of him. That's the version of you I want to talk about today. Now, of course, you've probably seen in your own life many countless ways of that being silenced, walls being erected around it. That version of you that is so deeply challenged at times that even you start to believe the lies. My goodness, I've had to battle this in my life. Hmm. God has a divine stamp of identity on you. And the enemy knows this so well. Is it any wonder why society is in an, in an identity crisis right now? It's, it's, it's actually increasing. Where people are confused as to who they really are. They're wandering through life, waking up each morning, still not sure why they exist and why they're here. Still not sure who God created them to be. They might even not even relate to God. And what happens is that life has a tendency to shape a version of themselves that they begin to loathe. They begin to hate. So they search for many different ways of trying to find this person trying to find themselves and circumstances do it to us words that people speak over us parents do this over their children we've got to be careful what we say over our kids because we are shaping an identity it's funny that when I um, started in, in ministry as a pastor I never thought I would and I never wanted to but God has a sense of humour but I remember I, was, I started in, in full-time uh, ministry. At, I was about 27, I think. And it was so hard because I still didn't really know who I was. I, I still was trying to work out who Mark is. And then all of a sudden I start in a, in a church situation and everyone had a version of Mark that Mark had to be. Yeah? You getting this? See, the problem is that everyone had a different idea. It'd be great if they all sounded the same, and I came into agreement with that, but it was all different. You see, to one person, I had to be that fiery evangelist that had to go out into the streets every day and save the souls and bring them to church and fill up the church. Well, you're the pastor. That's what you're meant to do. And then to, to someone else, I had to be that wise and deep teacher that whenever I open my mouth, fire falls. Revelation comes. People's destinies are awakened. And then to another, on the other side of the room, I had to be that, that best friend, you know, that would always come with a warm hug and an encouraging word and a cup of coffee. And yet to another one, I had to be the prophetic voice that would speak the oracles of God. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I felt so schizophrenic because I didn't know who I had to be that day. 
Yeah, what, okay, who am I today? I don't even know. So the years of trying to work out, what is my voice? Who is Mark? Who, God, who have you shaped me to be? And while there are elements of, of what I've just shared with you that leaders can carry, if we are not okay with who we are, how on earth can we lead you to be who you are? What is my voice? What is my identity? What is your voice? What is the sound that you've been created to give? Would you agree with me that it's so tiring? My goodness, it's so tiring trying to be someone you're not. Yeah? Trying to be in a relationship where this person expects you to be someone you're not. And you might do it well for a few months, maybe even a few years, but you quickly begin to realize, I can't do this anymore. I'm just exhausted. Because I don't know this person. I'm not sure if this relates to anyone here today. Maybe it's just for me, but I hope it does. Because this word I've sensed is, is, is for, for you guys. But until, get this, until you can look in the mirror and see what God sees and actually like what you see, you will never be free. You will never be truly happy. Because you're going to be a ripped off version of who you really are. This is a massive issue in the church today. I see, I, see, I see it time and time and time again. People are crying out to know this. But I'm telling you guys, when, when, you, when the sons and daughters of God get the revelation of their beauty, of their wonder, of their creative glory, what can the church become? What can our communities become when God's sons and daughters actually be who they're called to be? Unapologetically. Now, this is not some, you know, love yourself, self-promotion, self-improvement kind of message. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in that. All I want us all to get today is capture the heart of Father God for you. For you to start seeing, if you haven't already, who he sees. Not to be impressed and look at him and think, oh, gee, I am gorgeous. About, about time I realized. No, not that. It's who does he say you are and then you're simply agreeing with it. You know, Jesus, when he said... Um, Love your neighbor as you love your... We don't have a problem loving the neighbor, but we have a problem with the second part. Love yourself. What are you teaching, Jesus? What kind of teaching is this, Jesus? No, how can you love others with a God type of love if you can't love yourself with a God type of love? God's sons and daughters, I'm convinced of this, are spectacular. God's sons and daughters are breathtaking. And that includes you. If you could really see how amazing you are, my God. Wow. So it doesn't matter what others say about you. It really doesn't even matter your, your opinion about yourself. What is God saying? What's Papa saying today? And that's why I love what we, you know, we do to um, seek the, the heart of Father for someone's birthday. And Andrew, I hope you were blessed by that, mate. But that's beautiful when we can see it in others. But I also want you to see it in yourself. 
I want you to see the gold that resides in yourself, that you're actually a gift. You're a gift. There's a great example of this in the Bible, which I want to show you. And you might not immediately relate what I'm talking about to this character, but, oh man, this is powerful. What I'm about to read, I don't want you to be simply be impressed by it, because this is an impressive example about someone who's captured the heart of God and who he is in God. So I don't want you to simply be impressed by it. I want you to be inspired by what actually can be. In the Old Testament, we have, of course, one of the great peaks in Israel's history with King Solomon. King Solomon, having encountered God in a, in a, in a very real way, captured the heart of God and stepped into what we call the sweet spot of Israel's history. Some call it the golden age. Everything changed when Solomon stepped into who God said he was. Not only did Solomon change, but so did the nation change. So not only am I talking about you, I'm actually talking about those around you. I'm talking about the town in which you've been planted. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, I want to read this. This is about a moment when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon. <laughs> I love this. 2 Chronicles 9 verses 1 through to 8. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. You ready? When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. And then she exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, she said, I had not heard the half of your great wisdom. It's far beyond what I was told, she said. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne as king to rule for him. Because God loves Israel and desires this kingdom to last forever, he has made you king over them so that you can rule with justice and righteousness. Let's stop there. Solomon was so impressive to an unbelieving world that they paid attention. They recognized there's something on this man that we haven't seen before. So here's Queen of Sheba traveling from a long distance to come and see him for herself. She goes, I heard about this guy. I have to meet him. And here she shows up and she's so blown away by what this man carries and who he is that it even exceeded what she'd been told. Something I want you to see here. Solomon's example is not some momentary peak in Israel's history. Could it be that the glory upon this man could be the glory upon you? We see some of oh, the wisest man that ever lived. Y yes, true. 
There was a special anointing on his life for that. But I want you to see it for what it is. That the God-breathed identity upon Solomon, once embraced, changed a nation. Sent ripples across the globe. I wonder if God's sons and daughters are meant to be that way. It's easy to exist in that glory within a church building. Hmm. What about our city? What about our family? What about our schools, our jobs? Can people see God on me or not? Can people see God on you? Hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Could we expect to be so powerful? Could we expect to be so influential and so astounding? Could our lives be lived in such a way where it baffles the world? I think, I don't get it. Who are you? What's on you? Because you're not like other people in my life. When you speak to me, something shakes within me. When I watch how you do life, when I look at your family, when I look at your marriage, when I look at your kids, when I look at the way you do your job, who are you? Hmm. I have very high hopes for God's people. I really do. The potential of God's people excites me so much because the spirit in us means there are no impossibilities. Did you know, guys, that in this room alone, in this room, is such incredible wisdom and power and potential, beauty and wonder and love and compassion and supernatural um, abilities that can actually send ripples across our nation for the kingdom of God. Mm. And I'm talking about you. You might think, yeah, but you're talking about the person on the front row. No. Yes, but no. Even the cheap seats at the back, I'm talking about you. Every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, carries this. The glory of the one who created you is on you. Oh, if you could see what he sees. Hmm. Sometimes when God speaks to me, I actually think he's talking about someone else. Because he he thinks I'm amazing. Takes me a while to agree, let me tell you. But he looks at me and he goes, I I love you so much, I actually want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to do life with you. I want to change a, 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 a region with you. I want, I want to build lives with you, son. So God speaks to me in pictures often, and he, he uses analogies and situations that I'm going through to, to push home a message, yeah? Does he do the same with anyone else? Recently, as we, we moved to Torquay at the beginning of this year and um, planted the church there called The Living Room, and we're still overseeing the church in Melton as well. And people think, are you nuts? Yes, we are nuts. But the fact is God has given that, that ability right now to do that. So we thought we, we also need to immerse ourselves into the Torquay culture and live there. So we sold up in Melton and we decided to buy in Torquay. Well, little did I realize that Torquay was about $250,000 more than Melton. God, what were you thinking? Oh, come on. I'm not flowing with money. But he says, let's go. So we, we, how many Saturdays did we go to these open houses? My goodness. 
and some of the dumps worth $850,000, $900,000. Are you kidding me? I need to spend another 200000 to get it livable. Didn't help that I want to live on the esplanade overlooking the beach, but that's another story. <laughs> that would be nice. I didn't have $1.5 in my pocket. But anyway, we'd go to these open houses and think, well, we, can't afford, we can't afford a dump, let alone a house for a family of six. So we thought, look, let's go to these display homes. Yeah? Let's go have a look at a new home. Let's buy a block of land, which in Torquay is about $350,000, just a block of about 450 square metres. Crazy. Anyway, so we looked at um, display homes, going to these display homes, and oh, wow. We'd walk in, I'd go, this is it, huh? This is it. We are going to build this house. And then we'd go to the next one. No, no, this is it. And man, I like those taps. Gee, I like that walk-in robe. I love that Caesar bench top. I love the bifolding doors going to the fully decked out alfresco area. Oh, honey, do you see those floorboards, those timber floor? We have to have those. Oh, do you see that roof with the timber lining? It's glorious. Do you see the beams? Oh, honey, did you see? And then we ask the person, how much? They go, oh, that's going to add another $40,000 to the basic price. But I want it. Because the excellence of the workmanship that I saw in a display home, I wanted to live in. Yeah? Oh, don't you? That's why they do it. That's why they do it. It's called a display home to display the brilliance of the workmanship by the builder. They pour in the best of the best into that home to draw you in. You see, excellence stirs up desire. And then God said this to me. You're a display home. You're a display home of the brilliance of my workmanship. Just as you were impressed by the display homes that Porter Davis or Metricon builds, I'm building you to show a world what I can do. And let me tell you, God has won Master Builder of the Year, year after year after year after year. And he doesn't put in cheap rubbish into his homes. He doesn't make a mistake by putting a wall in the wrong place. He knows exactly how the home is meant to look, exactly what function the home is meant to have, exactly where that home needs to be built. And when he builds this home, you, he doesn't skimp. He doesn't hold back. He puts the best of the best of the best of himself. And you know, he's so impressed by what he builds, he says, I can't sell that one, I need to live in it. Can't sell that one. That's too good. I'm living in that one too. God's the greatest property developer in the world. Solomon was a master built home. And the world came to see the workmanship of God. And you're it. God says, my people are a display home of my brilliant workmanship. I love that. That, that speaks to me. I understand that because of what we, what we recently went through, looking at display home after display home after display home. But the fact is, guys, excellence stirs up desire in others. The excellence of the display homes that we walked into stirred up a desire I didn't even know was there. I didn't know I needed that tap with the wave of a hand, the water would come on. I didn't know I needed that. 
True story. <laughs> I didn't know I needed that, that um, 900 wide oven. I don't even cook for crying out loud, but I need that oven in my house. I didn't know I needed that tap. You know that amazing tap at the kitchen bench that you, you flick the switch one way and it puts out boiling hot water instantly and then the other way, perfectly chilled water. I didn't know I needed that. Wow, that's excellent. Stirred up a desire I didn't know I had. I don't have those things in my house. You're thinking I'm some kind of freak. No, I'm not. I don't have those things in my house right now. But there is faith to believe. But the excellence upon your life is like me going into a display home, being so blown away by what I see that I must have it. And the world around you, your family, your friends that don't yet know God, look at your life and the excellence of God's brilliant workmanship and they say, wow, I have to have what she has. I have to have what he has. Because something in me, I, there was a desire I didn't know I had. I want to have that kind of family. I want to have that kind of marriage. I want to have those kind of kids. I want to enjoy my job as that one enjoys it. Wow. I'm sorry, but I believe God's people here on earth are the best of the best. And you know what's beautiful? Not only when we realize it, but when the world around us realizes it. I love... Um, reading an article about Bethel Church in, in Reading. And um, they have the local council now call the church first when there's a job opportunity. Asking the question, do you have any of your people looking for a job that we want on council because we want to hire them? That's a display home mentality. We saw what we like and we want that. I remember working, before I could get paid to be a pastor, I would work in a Windows manufacturing company in the office. And um, I got a couple of the guys from church a job working on the factory floor, assembling windows and that kind of thing. And there was another job opening and my boss came up to me and says, Mark, I don't know what it is about you Christian guys, but do you have any more? <laughs> he goes, because I, I love the heart with which you guys come. I, I love the passion. I said, but I need to explain to you why that is. I said, we don't serve you as our boss just because we have to we serve you as the bible says as if we're serving jesus himself i said don't think you're jesus <laughs> but the way we approach our job is as 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 if we are serving christ himself so i'll look around and i'll see if there's any more of us available isn't that a display home type of thing you see guys wherever you go you, you're you're different in a good way you carry someone in you and on you for a very specific reason. To shift an atmosphere and make it kingdom. I tell you, when you walk into a display home, the atmosphere is intentionally created. They've got the right um, smell, the aroma, yeah? You smell, oh, I'm sure there's a science behind it. I'm sure of it. Where you walk in and you feel, oh, I like this place. You carry an aroma, the aroma of Christ, as it says in Corinthians. Wherever you go, you bring a reality with you. I remember my wife and I had to do um, a course to qualify us for the college to teach. And um, it was a, a five-day course, Kaz. 
in the city to get our cert for in um, teaching and assessment. And we entered that room and, of course, we were the only Christians in the room. It became pretty obvious very quickly. And we actually approached it with an experiment mentality. We said, okay, here we are stepping into this dark place. Um, let's see what God's going to do. Let's, let's just be ourselves. Yeah, let's just be the Christians and the son and daughter that we are and let's see what God will do. Well, instantly, you can imagine my wife, she's just, here we are. And she came the first day of class, she brought um, banana muffins, home-cooked, hot. They'll go, wow, this woman's sent from heaven. And then we would you know, just encourage, just bring words of encouragement to people and just love on them, yeah? And even a guy that was quite receiving of us initially, but then when he realized that uh, we were Christians, it turned instantly and we saw straight away a top of that job goes there's something going on in this fella but still we chose to be kind and be friendly and so on towards the end of the week the the teacher of the class the assessor pulled Kaz and I aside and she goes I've been doing this for about 17 years teaching this class but I've never had a class like this that have been so united so much fun so peaceful and she says I think it's because of you two See, we didn't, ex- we didn't declare that we're Christians. Hey, hello, we're Christians. We simply brought, intentionally brought a reality of who we are. And she recognized it. So we had an opportunity to share with her, well, it's because of God in our lives. And we loved on her. We bought her all these gifts to bless her, to thank her for her generosity. But there's something beautiful when the sons and daughters of God shine. Not force it. You don't have to force this. An apple tree doesn't have to force to produce an apple, does it? But when you just be you and you know who you are, I tell you what, there is great, great power there. I'm going to get us to make some declarations this morning, okay? Now, I'm such a firm believer in the power of a declaration. It's a verbal agreement with what God says over your life. So I'm going to do one now and then we'll do one towards the end. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to say a phrase and I want you to speak it out loud, but not to me, to yourself. Can you do that? You might feel uncomfortable speaking these things over yourself, but believe me and trust me, God sees this in you already. Here we go, first one. My God, repeat after me, my God delights in me. He takes pleasure in me. And it is obvious to those around me that my God loves me. And I am his favourite. I tease my church all the time. I'm God's favourite, I hope you realise. You too? He's got so much love. His heart is so big that he, everyone's his favourite. But I want you to see yourself as his favourite. I want you to see yourself when you wake up in the morning, he's excited to speak with you. I want you, to, I want you to realize that when you mess up, he still wants to be around you. Go figure. Man, that's not the father I had yet, but he's not your father, your earthly father. He's the father. Queen of Sheba, I love the way she explained what she saw. She goes, praise the Lord your God. Who delights in you? 
She recognized it. Praise the Lord your God, whom she doesn't even know. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you. It's obvious. It's obvious to her that Solomon had God's stamp of identity on him. It was obvious. But I want you to also see this. It wasn't only affecting Solomon's life, but it affected an entire nation. I want you to realize something in this moment. Not only are you to capture the truth of who you really are, but I want you to see it's not just for you. It's for where you've been planted. Hmm. You are God's gift to Ballarat. You're his gift. You're God's gift to your workplace. You're God's gift to your school. You're God's gift to your neighborhood. You're God's gift to your family. You're it. There's no plan B. So glorious sons and daughters, just shine. Be who you are and carry who is in you and upon you wherever you go. And be conscious of it. And start doing some experiments. Okay, God, what will your presence look like tomorrow at work? And watch and observe and go with his lead. I'm telling you, when you become aware of this, the Christian life is very exciting. God loves Ballarat so much. He loves them so much that he gave them you. The God in you. The version of you that God has breathed upon. The version of you that God wants to do life with. The wonderful thing about this is that the, the way of the kingdom is really not that difficult. Sometimes we make it harder than it really is. It's actually quite easy. How is it easy? It's simply you being you. The kingdom sons of daughters being naturally themselves is how the kingdom spreads. I love what Bill Johnson writes in, in his book, Dreaming with God. He says this. Get this, this is an amazing quote. He says, we do not become culturally relevant when we become like the culture but rather when we model what the culture hungers to become. It is so good that I think I need to read it again. We do not become culturally relevant when we become like the culture, but rather when we model what the culture hungers to become. It's a display home mentality. When we model what the culture hungers to become, we become the display home that people come to look at and want to build and want to have for themselves, that's when things shift. See, the world is sick and tired of Christians um, demanding that they change. Enforcing our religious values upon them and whacking them on the head with it. So the world's sick of it. The world wants to see it live in action. So, okay, so tell me, if your God is that good, let me watch your life. Let me watch your marriage. Let me watch your kids. Let me watch your life. Let me watch your, the way you spend your finances. Let me, sh- let me watch how you deal with difficult situations. Let me observe how you handle trials and tests and hardship. Will you still stand? Will your God, is your God that powerful? Will he hold you up? Will he carry you when you can't carry yourself? Hmm. What is your life displaying, church?
Isaiah 29 verse 16 says this, using another analogy. It says, he is the potter, and he's certainly created, and he's certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created things say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid? It'd be the same as a display home taking the credit for the glory that it's been built with. Yeah? It'd be the same as a pen taking the glory of an amazing poem that's been written with it. Same goes for us. We're not who we are because of ourselves. We're not self-made men and women, guarantee that. But like the Queen of Sheba recognised, God's on you. God delights on you, Solomon. That's why I see everything I see. That's why I see the blessings and the favour of God on your life because he delights in you. He loves you. He's chosen you. He's called you. He is upon you. Mm. Mm. So the glory will always go to him. But God has a plan and a function for you. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God knows exactly what he's making here. He's got the plan. He's got the design in mind. He, he, he knows it full well who you are and what you're meant to look like and where you're meant to be. It's, there's no mistake here. <laughs> there's no mistake here at all. So you ready to make another declaration? two of you anyway, but the rest of you, just join in. It's, it's fun, okay? It does work. Let me just encourage you, it does work. All right, now, this one's a little bit longer, but it's powerful. You ready? First of all, I'm going to attack some misconceptions. Let's slay these things. Let's destroy them. Okay, here we go. I am not a victim of my past. Do you believe it? Let's go again. I am not a victim of my past. I am not a prisoner of my choices. I am not a byproduct of my mistakes. I am not what others say I am or even who they think I should be. I choose today to agree with God that I am His wonderful creation. His workmanship of excellence and His display of glorious brilliance. I am an expression of His desire, of His heart and of His purpose. When people around me see the version of me that God created, they hunger, they crave and they desire what I have. I am created in God's image. I'm a spitting image of my Father. For God's glory, I exist. To display to the world that my God is good. And His workmanship is brilliant. Seal it with a bow, full stop. I've just, you've just come into agreement with what Father God thinks of you. And if you don't believe it, could it be that you're believing a lie that he wants to replace with the truth? If you doubt it, yeah, but Mark, you don't know what I've done, where I've been and so on. Does it really matter? 
I mean, do you think the father doesn't already see that stuff? Do you think he's surprised by any of your stuff? Really? He says these things over you despite all those things because he wants you to come into agreement with what he thinks, with what he believes. And if you need to make declarations like that every day for four weeks, please do it until you're convinced of it. Because let me tell you this, if you're not making those declarations, you will be listening to other declarations which say things like this. You are hopeless. You are worthless. Why do you exist? Because the enemy is very quick to understand the power of the spoken word over someone's life. Please don't feel uncomfortable. I want to bring it to a close by just reminding you of what the Queen of Sheba, how she reacted to all of this. And it was this. It says in verse 4 that she was breathless. She was breathless. Overwhelmed. Didn't have words to describe what she saw. It was so amazing. Might I say that the world in which we live, it's time for them to be breathless again. It's time for them to look at the sons and daughters of God, not with hatred, ridicule and criticism. But I want to prophetically declare that the church of Christ across this globe, God is breathing the dust away and elevating his bride to say, okay, this is what it can be like. World, look at my family. Look at my sons and daughters. This is what it was meant to be like. And then the churches of God across this world are beacons of hope, are beacons of light and examples as to the workmanship of God's brilliance. That the best songs the world will ever hear will come from God's people. The best paintings the world will ever behold will come from God's people. The wisdom that the world is striving to understand to the problems that are facing the world, I believe, reside in God's people. The education system, the political system, oh, we can't mix it. Why can't we? Doesn't the kingdom belong in those areas of influence? Because I guarantee this to you, Satan has an agenda in those areas of influence and he's doing quite well at the moment. But when God's sons and daughters realise who they are and they belong everywhere, they permeate the reality of, of God's kingdom into every sphere of influence in this world. And I'm talking about you. That the world, it's time for the world to be breathless again at how amazing and brilliant and glorious God's sons and daughters are. But please, 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 church, before you leave here today, please get this revelation for yourself. I'm not talking about anyone else. I'm talking about you. Next time you look in the mirror, I dare you to stop long enough and not think, oh, there's that zit again. Oh, boy, those wrinkles, man, they're getting a bit, bit deep. No, look at and say, Father, what do you see? Father, what do you see? And wait long enough to listen and hear the answer. I dare you. So maybe you just need to experience this for yourself and understand that who you are is not a mistake. Who you are is for a very specific reason and God wants to show you off to the world. I'm so proud of my kids, my goodness. 
My four kids are the best that I've ever seen, in my opinion. And I look at them and I marvel and I, I see them and I, I want to tell everyone else, did you see what Amy did today? Did you see the way Chanel did that, the way Caden did that, the way Joel did that? But I wonder where I got that from. Because your father today wants to show you off to those around you. He says, did you see what Andrew did today? <laughs> did you, did you, have you seen my son Andrew? Have you, have you seen him? How, how amazing is he? How spectacular is he? Wow. I saw what Mel did, and that's too good to keep silent. <laughs> so if you're tired of of trying to be someone you're not, if you're exhausted at trying to fit an, a, 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 a formula, fit a, a picture of what someone has created for you and you're sick of it, how about today we, we, we let that go? How about today we capture the heart of what the Father says and, and truly walk out of here different? How about you become free to be you, the version of you that he wants you to be, the version of you that looks like him? That sounds like him. That's captured his heart. How about that? Deal? So let's pray. And then I'll hand it back to Andrew. Father, I know it's hard at times, God, for us to come into agreement, especially when we're talking about ourselves. Because we don't want to seem arrogant or full of pride And I know you'll protect us from that, and I'm thanking you for that. But God, there is an element of this that we we have missed so many times, that the workmanship, your brilliance, your glory, your your master plan, I, I I want us to see that. To see the way you have spent time intricately molding us and shaping us into the beauty and the wonder of a display home. That like Solomon, Lord God, we can be that shining example of what it looks like when God is in someone and upon someone. That's who we want to be. Sure, it might manifest itself through um, supernatural wisdom as it was with Solomon. But it might be many other expressions of it like compassion and love and and the ability to forgive the unforgivable or, or have peace in a very tumultuous situation. Whatever it looks like, Lord God, I know we have everything in you. We, found, we find it all in you. And God, I want the world to be breathless again. To be breathless as they look at God's people and God's church and wonder, who are they? And for some reason, I want what they have. God, we're ready for that. I want that for this church. I want that for every single person here today, God. But I know you want it more. So Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the beauty and the wonder of how you created us, of what you've put in us, of what you've entrusted to us. And God, shut down every single lie that opposes the truth of what you say. Shut it down. And in Jesus' name, replace it with the glory of what you see. I pray this in the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for your time. Andrew, it's all good.